Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. All right, well, in uh, Mark chapter 4, we're going to read just a short section, verses 35 through 41. But before we do that, this I want to uh, just say, you guys remember the movie The Wizard of Oz? You know, the Dorothy, The Wizard of Oz. Um, there's, a, there's a scene that I always remembered. It reminded me of this section of Scripture, and you'll see how in a few moments. There's a, section, there's a portion of that movie where they finally get before the great and powerful Oz, right? And he's, you know, he's behind this, well, we don't know this yet, but he's, sorry for this uh, spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it's a really old movie, so if you haven't seen it, that's on you. I think the statutes of limitations on spoiling a movie like this is, is well beyond time. Anyways, so they go before the great and powerful Oz, and he's, and he's this big wizard, right, and he's belting out his commands and smoke and loud thunder and everything is going on. And um, uh, so they're listening to him. And then, you know, the little dog, Toto, runs uh, to the curtain and pulls back this curtain and reveals a man, you know. And he's like, oh, never mind the man behind the curtain. You know, it reveals who he is. He's not the great and powerful Oz, right? He admits, he goes, no, I'm a great man, but I'm a horrible wizard, you know, and he's revealed to be a farce. He's just a man. Well, the opposite is taking place in the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, he's presenting to us Jesus, and if you were to quote or unquote, uh, quote or unquote pull back the curtain, you would not see just a man. You would see God. Jesus is the great and powerful God. And Mark is revealing him to the readers and to us today as we go through these accounts of the life of Jesus Christ. Each and every one of them is building more and more to reveal the great and powerful God. And unlike Dorothy and her three friends who ultimately have to basically are told, hey, everything that you want is within you, you guys actually have a heart, and you have a brain, and you have courage, you know, and if you click your ruby slippers, you'll go home. In the gospel, we're told, no, we need the great and powerful God in order to obtain anything. And it's not upon us, and that is good news. And so here in Mark, Mark again is revealing Jesus more and more. And so this morning, as we go through this, I hope you see that Jesus is more than just a healer. He is more than just a great miracle worker, and he is more than just a great teacher. He's more than that. Again, Mark is going to attribute some uh, you know, omnipresence, omnipotence, and omni, uh, omniscience to him to help us understand who Jesus really is. And again, as you learn those things this morning, and as you come to know God more and more in your own life, and see that he is great and powerful, I pray that you would take comfort in that and you would be transformed in your, your everyday walk in life. And so with that said, let's go ahead and read this account in verses 35 through 41. And then, as I just mentioned, we're going to come back and talk about some of these attributes of God that are attributed to Jesus. 
So Mark writes, And on that day, when evening had come, he, he said to them, Let's go over to the other side. And leaving the multitude, they took him along with him, just as he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat, um, that the boat was already filling up. And he himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you so timid? How is it that you have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So here at the very end, this last verse is really the key to unlock the, the purpose of Mark's writing this section. It's to reveal to the disciples who Jesus is. Because even though they've seen all these miracles, right? We've been reading of miracles taking place, and great teachings. We went through some of the parables last week. They still don't truly understand who Jesus is. As a matter of fact, as I was just reading this again in verse 38, what do they call him? Teacher. Like he's a, just a great teacher. Now, I don't know if they, they meant that, but that's how they recognize him. Great teacher. And then they said to themselves, after Jesus calms the storm, who is this? He's greater than what they had thought he was. He's greater than who they think he is, right? He's more than just a teacher. And this is what Mark is revealing to the readers of the gospel and to us this morning. Who is Jesus? Who is he? Well, let's go back through this text, and I'm going to point out just three attributes from this morning's text to kind of help us to understand a little bit more who Jesus is, because all of us struggle with this at different times in our life. You know, all of us have quote-unquote storms in our lives, and as we'll see, we too, like the disciples, can sometimes be clouded or blinded by these things and forget who Jesus is. And so going back to the very beginning again, the question is, who is Jesus? Well, the first thing that I want to point out is in verses 35 through 38, one of the things that Mark reveals to us is that Jesus is omnipresent, omnipresent. And that means, uh, according to Charles Ryrie, who's a theologian, I took this definition from him because it's real simple to understand. God is everywhere present with his whole being at all times. God is everywhere at all times in his entirety, there's not like 10% God in California and 1% God in Vegas, if he was, one, you know. No, he's 100% in Vegas. He's 100% in California. He's 100% in Jerusalem. God is everywhere at all times in his entire being. He's omnipresent. Why do I say that from this text this morning? Well, again, let's here at the beginning, Jesus says to his disciples in verse 35, let's go over to the other side as they're at the sea, right? They're going to get in a boat. He says, let's go over to the other side. And Mark is, is uh, 
observant and points out that they took him along with them and the other boats. So they took Jesus in the boat. They were all with Jesus in the boat. And there were other boats along with them going across the sea. And we're told that the winds pick up and the waves begin to crash over the boat, so much so that it begins to be filled with water. And this must be a big deal because a few of these guys here are fishermen, aren't they? They're familiar with the sea. They're familiar with boating, being out in the sea. But something big is happening here so much so that they become afraid. So it's, it's a pretty big deal. They're gripped with fear, and they don't even know what to do, which is, we'll talk about in a few moments, which is why they run to Jesus and, and try to wake him up. So even though they had Jesus with them, they still became afraid. Why is that? Why were they afraid if the Lord was with them? Why were they afraid if they know Jesus and they have just seen all these miracles that he had done. They heard all these great teachings about Jesus. But yet, even though they had Jesus in the boat with them, they were still afraid. Why was that? Why were they afraid? Well, I think they were afraid, again, because the danger that they were in clouded and blinded their faith. Even though God was with them, right? If I was to ask most of us who are believers, is God with you? You would say, yes, God's with me. Even when you go through hard times, something bad happens, you would say, yes, God is with me, but you would tend to think that God isn't helping you. Or maybe you would even forget that God is with you. Or maybe you think, you know, maybe God's turned his back. Maybe God's not watching. Maybe God is asleep and not aware of what's going on. So even though God is with us, we still are blinded. We still forget, right? We intuitively know God's with us, but the problem is so big we tend to forget that he can do anything about it. And like the disciples like us, we need to remember that just because something's not working out the way that we think it's going to work out, or the way that we want it to work out, that don't accuse God if he's not seeing it. God doesn't see it. God isn't here, or God doesn't care. For God is always with his people. Right? We, in one sense, like the disciples, we take Jesus with us when we become believers. God is with us. Remember, Jesus is with them in the boat. And they could see Jesus. So God is with us then, right? When we're believers, God's with us. We also need to remember that even when the storms of life come about, or the hard times, whatever you want to call them, God is still with you. Just like the disciples, God was with them in the boat during these storms. And guess what? God is with us even when we don't quote or unquote see him, right? Or we think he's unaware of things that are going on. You can't help but wonder, as Pastor John prayed this morning, that even in the midst of tragedies, senseless tragedies that have happened in Corona this week, there's no doubt many people, and even Christians, would say, where was God? Did God not see this happening? Did God allow this to happen? And if so, why? Does that mean God wasn't there? Was God asleep? You know, we just sung some great worship songs about who God is, right? All that God does is, does he only do that with Christians on Sunday morning when we sing about it? 
Or do we truly believe that even in the midst of horrible tragedies, that God is still there? Is God really omnipresent? Is he everywhere at all times? Was God in the movie theater when that happened? Or did he step out of the movie theater at that time? We need to remember that God is everywhere when we're with, you know, even when we see him and when we don't see him. In good times and bad times, God is omnipresent. God is everywhere present with his whole being at all times. And guess what? Sometimes, and probably most of the time, we don't get an answer of why things happen the way they do, but we know that God is there. We know that God is good, and we know that God has a purpose for all things. Just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that God doesn't care. Right? With the disciples again, they went through this storm, this big storm. And what was their accusation against Jesus? In verse 38, again, they woke him up and said, Do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we're dying, Jesus? How can you be sleeping in the back of the boat when we're struggling? God is still there with them, even in the midst of that. Even when we don't see him or think he's aware of what is going on, God is there. He's omnipresent. Jesus himself is always with us. Again, as you reveal these, as, as Mark reveals these things or pulls back the curtain on the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus is God, that Jesus himself is omnipresent. Remember in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus told the disciples and all the followers that were with him before he ascended to heaven, he says what? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Until the end of the world, I'm going to be with you. He told the disciples in the Gospel of John that he's going to leave, but he's not going to leave them as orphans because he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them. Probably one of the greatest sections that remind us that God is everywhere and there's nowhere that we can go to escape the Lord's presence is in Psalm 139. You could turn there with me because I'm going to read this section and I would keep your finger here because I'm going to come back to it. In Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, a great psalm. The psalmist writes this, Where can I go? He starts off with a question. Where can I go from thy presence? or from thy spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? So is there anywhere that I can go to get away from God? Or where can I go that God's not there, where he doesn't see me? You could take this one or two ways as a comfort or as a warning. He says, if I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee. And night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to thee. He's saying, wherever I go, like how far away, how high, how low, God is there. Not only is God there, did you catch what he said in verse 11? Even there thy hand will lead me. Even there thy right hand will hold me. So this is a good thing, the psalmist says. God's going to lead me no matter where I go. 
God's going to hold me no matter where I go. God's presence is always with him. But he can't hide in the darkness. It can't be so dark that God can't see you. Right? It says darkness and light are like the same to you. And that should t- you should take great comfort in that. That you know what? Even in the darkest hour, in the remotest place of your, even your inner being or wherever you are in this world or wherever you are psychologically, mentally in life, God is there. He's leading and guiding us. Again, even though we don't see it, even though the storms are coming, God's saying, I'm there. I'm there. And so this is why I say Mark is pointing out to us here in the text that Jesus is omnipresent. He's everywhere. We see him here in the boat, but we also need to remember even when we don't see him, he is there. So Christian, no matter where you go in life, No matter what's happening to you in your life, remember, God is with you. God is with you. I pray that brings you comfort this morning. Secondly, the next um, attribute that Mark points out to us, going back to our text in verse 39, is this. He's omnipotent. Omnipotent, meaning God is all-powerful. And able to do anything consistent with his own nature. And read that again. God is all powerful and able to do anything consistent with his own nature. This means God, right? We say this God can do anything, right? We sing about it, how powerful God is. But do you really believe it? Do you really believe that God is all powerful? Again, that, just that phrase led, led me to thinking about the great and all-powerful Oz in, in um, The Wizard of Oz. That's how I got that. If you were wondering, how does he come up with that stuff? That's what it was. Those are the things that run through my head. So here we see in verse 39, Jesus' power. Let's just read verse 39 again. It says, and being aroused, right? So Jesus was asleep. They woke him up. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Here we see Jesus speaking to the elements. Right? We've seen different miracles, different healings throughout the Gospel of Mark. And here we see Jesus, and he's even rebuked demons, remember, in a few weeks ago. Now he's rebuking the elements of the world. It says, the wind listened to him, the sea died, the wind died, and the sea became perfectly calm. This isn't just something that they teach in Sunday school or that you learned in Sunday school. I hope you really believe this as a believer. Do you, and ask yourself, do, are you thinking this is, this is like just a story or, you know, it's supposed to teach us a lesson? No, this is true stuff that we are reading. These are historical accounts of what happened. How can Jesus do this? How can this be real? I mean, let's think about this logically. How can somebody tell the wind to stop and, the sea, and then the sea becomes calm? That's, that's, kind, that's really amazing, almost unbelievable to think about. Well, first of all, if Jesus is God, he can do anything then. Right? This is what, what Mark is trying to point out to us. Point out to us. 
He can do this. Jesus can do this because he's God. This is what Mark is revealing to us. He's not just a miracle worker, as I keep pointing out. He's not just a teacher. He's not even just a prophet. He is God. Only God can do something like this. You might be thinking, well, what about Moses? Moses parted the Red Sea. Well, I encourage you to go back and read it. God is the one that told the sea to stand still and stop. All he told Moses to do was to go out there and lead Israel and, and you, know, you know, hold your hands up, lift up your staff. That's all he told Mo Moses. didn't go, see, you split. So we can get across. Moses didn't say that. Even Joshua, when they crossed the Jordan River, Joshua didn't say anything to the river. He told Joshua to tell the Levites to step into the Jordan River and then the seas will stop, or the river will stop. Jesus is seen as commanding the sea. No other person does that. Jesus got up himself and told, it, told the sea or the wind to stop. Why? Because he's God. And since Jesus is God, he can do anything. And Jeremiah 32, 17 says this, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Right? If God created the heavens and the earth, can he not tell the heavens and the earth what to do and anything contained in the heavens and the earth? Pastor John MacArthur said this in, in his sermon on this section. He says, if he has the power to create it, he has the power to control it. Right? If, since God created the world, he has power to tell the world to do whatever he wants. If God didn't create the heavens and the earth, then yeah, he probably couldn't do it. But as a believer, we all just sung about this, that you know, he made the heavens and the earth. Why can he not tell the heavens and the earth what to do? I think of it like an author of a book. If the author writes the book, who's in control of the characters? Sorry, there was a fly right there. Right? The author tells the characters what to do, and he can make the characters do whatever he wants. Or if you're a composer or a musician, aren't you the one that creates the music? You're the one that could create the lyrics. You tell the lyrics, or you, you know, write whatever you want. You change the music as you will. God does the same thing with the elements. God created the heavens and the earth. God can tell the world what to do anytime he wants as long as it's consistent with his character. Right? Don't, don't, right? There's some things that God cannot do because it's inconsistent with his character. Right? We're told that God cannot lie. God cannot sin. God, God cannot make a square circle because right? that's inconsistent. It's illogical. A circle, by definition, is not a square. That's not in Scripture. That's just logic, by the way. If you're thinking, I wonder where that is. So think of that, Christian. Before you think that these miracles are just fables and stories, if you believe God created the heavens and the earth, then any other miracle contained in Scripture is pretty simple. He can stop the sun. He can uh, part the waters. He can raise somebody from the dead. He can do all those things if since God is God, the game changes. You or I cannot do those things. Right? As we've seen, Moses, Joshua, even Elijah, God used them to do things, but they never commanded things to be done like this. Only Jesus. And the reason for that contained in this section of Mark is Mark is trying again to reveal, pull the curtain back, so to speak, Jesus is more than just a man. 
He's God incarnate. How do we know that? Because he's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. And finally, in verses 40 through 41, we're told, or we see that Jesus is omniscient. Meaning, he knows every, God knows everything actual and possible. God knows everything that's actually going to happen, and God knows everything that possibly can happen. Look at verses 40 and 41 again. So after Jesus calms the storm, he looks at his disciples and says to them, why are you timid? Or why are you afraid? And how is it that you have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another again, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The point we want to make here again is God is omniscient, meaning God knows everything actual and possible. Mark tells us that God or that Jesus sees or knows that these guys are afraid, and he knows that they don't have any faith. How does he know that? Again, because he's God. He sees what is inside the disciples' heart. They lack some sort of faith. Again, he says, why are you so timid? I mean, why are you fearful? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid when I'm here with you? You guys have just seen me do all these miracles, help the blind see, the deaf to hear, cast out demons, teach powerful parables about life and the kingdom of God, and yet you guys are still afraid. You still have, or you still lack faith. He knows his disciples don't have faith in him. That's why he says that. But what does he mean by that they don't have faith? I mean, they believe that he's from God to some extent, right? They've, they've given up everything to follow him. They've done other things that show that they believe he is a great teacher, that they believe that he is from God, but they yet to believe that he truly is God, which is why they say, that who then is this? What they lack at this time, though, in this particular in- instance, is confidence in God during this time of crisis. How many of us pray for other people? Oh, God can do that. God can do that. God's gonna, God can help you. God can help them. And we pray for that. But when it comes to your own personal issues, you lack faith that God can care for you. This is what's going on with the disciples. They lack confidence in God during this time of crisis. Right? They froze up during this storm. They didn't know what to do. They became so fearful and afraid and they lacked confidence. You know they lacked confidence because they said to him, don't you care what's going on, God? They didn't think God cared, or they didn't think Jesus cared. They probably don't truly understand he's God at this time. If they thought that Jesus cared, they wouldn't say what they said, right? Don't you care about us? They didn't believe that he knew how to take care of them. He knew how to take care of other things, and they've seen it, but he didn't know how to take care of them. Right? He's asleep. Jesus should be doing something out. He should be out here with us. I'm not a sailor of any sort, so my descriptions of sailing will be uh, feeble at most, at best. I say, you know, whatever they were doing, holding the sails, rowing with oars, whatever you do in the, in the wind, you know, I would be under something, hiding probably. 
or jumping off the boat, trying to swim to shore. Who knows what I'd be doing. But they were thinking Jesus should be, Jesus should be doing something. He should be up here helping us, praying for us, you know, giving us a hand of some sort. They didn't think he knew how to care for them, which is why he says, you lack faith. You don't believe I can care for you. You don't believe what I said at the very beginning. What did he say in verse 33 or 35? Let's go over to the other side. He's already told them, let's go to the other side. And they were good with that until the storm came, and then they forgot everything and said, oh, he doesn't care about us. We're going to die. He's going to let us die. We laugh at that, but don't we do the same thing in our own lives? You know, we, we all leave here, maybe, I hope, pumped up in our faith. Yes, the Lord's going to do something great. The Lord's with me. Monday morning, boom, or not, maybe not even Monday morning. Maybe on the way to lunch, something happens and you forget everything, that God is with you, that God cares for you, that God is great. Whatever it is that was taught that day, all of us are like that. This is why we constantly need to be reminded of who God is and how much he cares for us and loves us even when things go south in our life. God knows what is going on in the hearts of men. Again, Jesus says, you guys lack faith. He knew what was going on in their hearts. They didn't trust him. And again, that is an attribute only given to God. God is the only one that knows what's going on deep down inside of us. Right? People around us that know us really well, usually moms, right? Moms really know what's going on all the time. My wife always seems to know that there's something going on in my head when I'm you know, not doing something right. She's like, what's wrong? I just walked in the door. What do you mean, what's wrong? It's the way that you walked in. You didn't walk in, you know, whatever it is. Wives are very perceptive that way. But God more so. God, she doesn't really know, though, what's going on. She knows something. God knows what's going on in our heart. God knows what's going on in our brains at all times. And again, Jesus says that. How is it that you have no faith? He knows what's going on in their hearts and in their minds. Again, going back to Psalm 139, revealing God's omniscience. That was the psalm I told you to put your finger there because we're going to come back to it. Psalm 139, look at verses 1 through 4. A great example of God's omniscience. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thought from afar. Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down and art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, Thou dost know it all. Look at those verses. I mean, I think meditate on that. I encourage you to go home and read that again on your own. Just the intimacy that God has with his created people. The intimacy that God knows everything about you. God knows what you're going to say before you say it. God knows at this very moment, according to my watch at 10, or is it 11? I don't even know what time it is. 10:51. It's not digital. <laughs> Sorry. 1051, God knows what's going on in your mind right now. 
God knows what's going on in your heart. If you're not thinking about him, if you're wishing Pastor Robert would be quiet, whatever it is, God knows that. You can fake me out. You can fake out the person next to you. But God knows what's going on deep down in your heart and in your mind. He is, I love this verse 3, he is intimately acquainted with all my ways. He knows everything about you. He's omniscient. And Jesus is showing that to us here in Mark 4. Mark is revealing that to his readers. This is who Jesus is. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. And he's omniscient. He's more than just a great teacher. Again, that's why this section closes up with that question. Who then is this? I hope that's a question each and every one of you ask in your own life. Who is Jesus? And you answer that for yourself, or you find that answer. You continue to seek for that answer and continue to know who Jesus is. This morning, we're just seeing three attributes of Jesus. His omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence. Those are just three aspects about the Lord. And so in closing, for application, when you think about those three things, how does that affect your faith in Him? How does that affect your faith in Him? Knowing these things about the Lord, that He is everywhere at all times, that He's all-powerful, and that He knows all things that can happen and all possibilities, how does that affect you personally? Well, for the believer, it should do, I want to point out two things, just like with the disciples. Number one, we don't have to be frozen with fear by the storms of life. That's number one. You don't have to be frozen by fear by the storms of life. I'm not saying you don't have to be afraid of anything, but you don't have to be frozen, meaning gripped, not knowing what to do, not being able to move. Why is that? Because of these three attributes of the Lord. Think about this. Jesus is with you in the midst of whatever you're going through right now. Jesus is with you. Think about that. We just learned that, right? If Jesus is everywhere at all times because he's God, then whatever you're going through, whatever you're going to go through, God is with you all the time. He's right there with you. But not only does it stop there that he's with you, he also has the ability to get you through what you're going through. No matter how tragic, he has the ability to get you through it. Do you believe that? Not only is he with you, and not only does he have the ability to carry you through it, sometimes, if it is God's will, and this is what we all probably want, is he's able to deliver us from that. He's able to get us out of that situation. I wish this morning I could say 100% of the time God's going to make everything perfect and it's going to work out perfectly for you the way that you want. But I would be lying because it's not true. God works things all together for his good, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, which is ultimately for our good. We just don't understand it. And sometimes we may not get an answer on this side of heaven either why tragic things happen in our own lives or in this world. Why is the world, you know, seems like it's careening off its axis why is, you know, why is this leader in charge? Why is that leader in charge? Why is this law passed? Why isn't that law not passed? Whatever the case may be, God's still in charge. 
It also means that God knows what's happening. God sees what is happening, right, in our world. I mentioned this earlier. Sometimes we think that God's not paying attention or God's turned his back or God's sleeping, right? How can you let this tragedy happen in my life? Why didn't you answer my prayers? Why was a life taken from me? God knows what's happening. He knows how it's going to turn out. It's not a surprise to God. This isn't something that just fell in God's lap. He's like, oh, wow, how are we going to get out of this? What are we going to do? God doesn't do that. God knows already how it's, what's, what happened, why it's here, and how it's going to turn out. We have to trust him because he doesn't tell us all the time. It's not for us to know for whatever reason it is. And his decrees, he doesn't decree that we are to know everything all the time about what happens. Right? That's unfortunately for it's those are the rules of the game. Those are the rules of life, right? The sun shines on the wicked and the and the and the righteous and the unrighteous. The rain falls on the unrighteous and the righteous, we're told. We just trust God. But again, we know that God is with us, that God's all powerful and He knows what's going on. Those are the things that help us get through these things. So how does this affect your faith? You don't have to be frozen with fear in the storms of your life because you're not alone. You don't have to figure it out all alone. And God knows what's going on. He's with you. He's holding you. He's carrying you. He's leading you through those things. Secondly and lastly, how does this affect our faith in him or how should this affect our faith in him? We can have confidence that Jesus knows how to take care of us. Jesus knows how to take care of us. Again, the disciples didn't have faith that God knew what he was doing, that God could get them through this. And we know, as we've seen this morning, he does know how to do this. It's do you have the faith to trust him in the midst of that storm? As I was studying that this week, it really helped for me, and I know it's just coming upon you this morning, but it really affected my prayers this week. When I was praying and praying for something, I'm thinking, you know what? If you're praying for somebody that's lost in this world, God created that person. If God can stop a wind, he could transform a human being's heart. He could change their heart. Some of us think, oh, God can never reach that person, right? Whoever that is that comes to your head. Oh, man, that person is so lost, God cannot save them. I always wondered, how is, dad gonna, or how is God going to save my dad? For those of you that knew my dad, you're like, whoo, that guy. When I tell my kids about my dad when I was a kid, you know, I, I tell Jonathan a lot about my dad's coaching style. I'm like, uh, my dad, the coaching back in the 80s, forget about it, man. The kids couldn't take it nowadays. Everybody has to be told how great they are, and they did a great job. Not back in the 80s, man. The 80s, coaches were brutal. They, they, we couldn't, you know, I tell my son, you can't handle the truth. No, just kidding. All that to say is my dad, he was a tough guy. But God transformed him. Sorry. All that to say, God can do anything. God can transform hearts. So our prayers are affected when we believe this. Do you really believe God is everywhere? Do you really believe that God is all-powerful and that he knows all things? Think about that when you're praying for whatever it is you're praying. 
that will transform your prayers. And lastly, <clears throat> sorry, we can have confidence that Jesus can take care of us. This affects, this should affect how we approach every day of our life. If God already knows what's going to take place in our life, we can trust Him. We can walk with Him. Even in my future, God knows what's going to happen already. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God knows what's going to happen. God is there, and so no matter what tragedies, triumphs, whatever may take place, okay, God is working this out for good. I might not understand it, and I might not even like it. I might think God is asleep, but I need to remember, no, He's not sleeping. He knows what He's doing. He's in control of all things. And so I pray this morning, as you, as you think about these things, the omniscience, the omnipotence and omnipresence of God, that it will transform your faith for, for every day. You know, again, your prayers, your walk. And for those of you that don't know the Lord, know this. These two are also warnings that God's everywhere. So God sees you. You can't hide from God. You can't hide your sins from God. You can't even hide your thoughts from God. You can hide them from your friends your parents, your relatives, from your fellow church members. But God sees you. God knows what's going on in your heart. That should cause you to think a little bit more sincerely about the paths that you are choosing in your life. Again, those are just warnings to you. For you don't know the Lord. No, God is there. God sees everything. God knows everything. And God can do anything. If you're thinking, you know what, I'd follow God, but he hasn't done this, this, or this. Well, you know what? He might be working towards that. I don't know. He may never do that. But if he never does, it's because it's for your own good. You need to trust in the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this reminder in, in the Gospel of Mark that you are the great and powerful God. You're not just a, a prophet, a great teacher, and even a healer, a miracle worker, but you are God. You've created the heavens and the earth. You created each and every one of us that's in this room this morning. You go before us. You're behind us. You're with us. And I pray, Lord God, because of these great truths that we would trust you even more, that we would walk closer to you, that we would desire to know you more, that we would desire to glorify you more with our own lives. Help us to do that this week, Lord. And for those this morning who think they are hiding from you, Lord God, I pray that this message would bring conviction to their heart, that you would open their eyes, that you would open their minds and their hearts and their ears so they could hear what you say that they would know that you know them, that you know that they're hiding from you or making excuses and reasons why not to follow after you, why they don't need to repent and follow you. I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to, to pursue after them, to convict them until they come to know you, Lord God, as Lord and Savior and acknowledge that you are the great and powerful God. So we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love and your patience and your salvation towards us. And it's in the name of your son we pray. Amen.
Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.